return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Amen. And before I introduce her, Deb's going to be speaking at Women Alive as well, I believe. So uh, if you haven't signed up and you're here or you're listening online, sign up for Women Alive and hear a great message. But tonight we have Deb Colesbeck coming to share, so let's welcome her as she comes. Amen. Appreciate the privilege of speaking, sharing the word. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you're just so present, so powerful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing, Lord, that breaks the yoke lifts the burdens, Lord, that you satiate the weary soul, Lord, just move by your spirit right now. Quicken everybody's body right here, every person listening, every person under the sound of my voice, thank you that you're satiating the weary soul, replenishing the thirsty. Thank you that you're more than enough in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I can't get over that word, satiate. Yeah, how many of you do that? Do you eat till you're so stuffed you're ready to... Ugh. You're all smarter than that, right? But we can do that at the table of the Lord, right? Mm. Eat till we're full. So I'm speaking tonight on the power of your words. I was going to call this renewing the mind, number 11. But, my goodness, I got started and there's so much. The word, oh my goodness, there's so much about the power of our words, so this might be another fun series. And uh, then I do speak again on the 29th, so that night we'll share, I know part two here, but we'll go into the word of God and look at Bible characters who lived this out, who believed in the power of their words, that words are the carriers of our faith. They're the tools that God's given us to build and to frame our world and actually to determine what we experience. And I know some of you are already, they saw, you saw the power of our words, are like, oh no, I've heard this already 155 times. But you know what? It's truth. Yeah. It's still setting men free. <laughs> Praise God. And it's a powerful thing, this business of agreement. And that's, I guess that's where I'd like to start tonight. Um, years ago, we had this pastor at a pastor's conference from Minnesota. I do not know his name. I know his wife was a sweet little blonde lady, and she grew up in Worthington. I don't know if you know him, but he's done a lot of preaching overseas. But it wasn't one of his messages. It was one of his CDs that I took home. And he told this story on the CD about a simple process that I bet every one of you have participated in. And that was calling a clinic for an appointment. And he, you know, he called, and the lady answers, Good morning, Dr. So-and-so's office. Can I help you? And, well, I forgot. Sorry, scratch all that. Uh, Good morning, Dr. So-and-so's office. May I put you on hold? (laughs) That's what she said to him. And he said, sure. 
And so it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. She comes back on, may I help you? And he says, oh, sorry, I've got to go. I've got to go. I'll have to call you tomorrow. Same thing happens the next day. Good morning, Dr. So-and-so's office. May I put you on hold? And he says, sure. And again, it's five, 10, 15 minutes. She comes on the line. She says, may I help you? He says, I've got to leave the house right now. I'll have to call you this afternoon. So same thing happens this in the afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Dr. So-and-so's office. May I put you on hold? This time, he says, no. And she proceeds to say, how can I help you? That simple. That easy. And, of course, his whole CD then was about this power of agreement. This power of agreement because, friends, we do have the right, the power to say no. And the same thing happens with a whole bunch of these thoughts that come into our mind, things that you might be hearing on the news, things that you hear from your friends, things that whatever. All of these things are coming at us. We have the power to say, nope, not taking that thought. Nope, that airplane's not landing in this airport. Or, yes. I mean, the power of agreement is such a powerful thing. There's a thousand thoughts that pop into our mind in a given day. How do we decide which ones to take? By the way, that's what Jesus, when he was about in Matthew 6.25, is that the first scripture I gave you, Jennifer? From the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking at length about the foolishness of worry, and right in the middle of it, he says, take no thought. In other words, we grab the thought, we take it, we give agreement to it. When we mix faith with it, it settles in our subconscious, it falls into our heart, and it becomes part of one of those strongholds that are forever in our life. And that's why one of the big tools God's given us is 2 Corinthians, where is it, 10.5, that says, take every thought captive, grab it. And of course, it's not just enough to just take a lie and to throw it. You have to replace it with truth. So it's a big deal. We've got to find out what God has to say on any matter. We want to know what God says specifically about us. And we want to know, what does God have to say about my child? What does God have to say about my neighbor? What does God have to say about my nation? (laughs) A lot of those things we can find out just waiting upon God and his word. So um, I'd like to approach this tonight from the vantage point of... uh, There was a lie way back in Renewing the Mind, number seven. I dealt with the, I was supposed to give you nine lies that the enemy feeds us, makes us believe, and I never got to number nine. So that's how I'm going to start tonight, okay? Here it is. We can honestly think, we can honestly believe that the very quality of our life, how much joy I have, how much peace I have, how much fruitfulness I have, whether I'm fulfilling my destiny, the very quality of my life is completely dependent on other people. Or, (laughs) 
well, I don't want to go the or yet. We can actually be convinced, friends, that it's certainly, absolutely, some of these 7,000 promises in here, I mean, just name one of them. But what if you just said, well, okay, this promise that God has for me to experience the fullness of his joy uh, can't work for me. That's a lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we can have a thousand reasons like, okay, I can't grow in my faith. I can't be dynamic in my faith. I can't have radical faith because, well, it's that preacher I have. (laughs) Well, in our church, we can't use that for excuse, right? Or the reason I don't have joy, fullness of joy, it's that person I'm married to. Well, that sure is not my case. (laughs) I mean, all of us, we can just say, oh, you don't know that neighbor I'm living next to you don't know my boss. You don't know blah, 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 blah. But friends, what I want to show you tonight is the power of our words. Because we, by our words, frame our own world. So, let's start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. We are made in the image of God. Every one of you are made in the image of God, cut from his cloth, members of his body. And you know what? God did everything with words. He did everything with words. Here it is. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, in the beginning was the... Interesting, isn't it? That's how God began, using words. And just as God's word is his most powerful force, so our words are the most powerful tools that God's given us. The Greek for this word framed here, kartotizo, it means, yes, to build. And we do, we build our own lives with our words. But it's more than that. It's so much deeper. It actually means Well, there's about five meanings, but one of them is to repair. Anybody's life need repairing? Mm. Relationships, finances, health issues. That's where the word of God comes in very powerfully, especially when it's in our mouth. Well, that's the only time it becomes powerful. I hope you understand that. It means to frame. It means to perfect. I think we could use a little of that. To mend all that brokenness out there, friends. Maybe you've even have a broken heart or broken relationship. God's word in our mouth repairs and mends and restores. I mean, can you stop and just take that in for a minute? The power of our words, specifically God's words in our mouth, has the power to repair our lives, to mend, to restore our hearts, our souls our relationships, our health, even our finances. Now, when God came on the scene, it wasn't this perfect world. Genesis 1, verse 2, spells it out. The earth was without form. It was void. Other Hebrew words include empty, chaotic, We had just had the major fallout of the angels. 
It was dark everywhere. Chaos, empty, desolate. I don't know, think of another word. But it just wasn't pretty, guys. And what did God do? Did he come in and say, oh, it's such a mess. It's so dark, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he spoke. He spoke light be. And it was. And that was three days before the sun and the moon and the stars. So this is the power of God's word even when things, it doesn't look like it's logical. It doesn't look like it could possibly happen. God's word is powerful, friends. (laughs) Hallelujah. And the cool thing is it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. One of the translations says he was hovering. Did I give that to you, the ESV? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, you have to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is always hovering. Always hovering. In your darkest time, in your most distressful, empty, void, formless, chaotic situation, there's the Holy Spirit hovering, waiting to hear the word of the Lord. And then the supernatural occurs. Hallelujah. God is very near. Always the Holy Spirit is hovering. Always the Holy Spirit is eager to create, to mend, to repair. But nothing happened until God spoke. And as soon as he did, the worlds were repaired, they were framed, they were mended, they were restored, they were perfected. And God's living word still has the power to frame the circumstances of your life and mine and to conform things to the image that we have in our spirit. The very destiny of heaven is already deposited within you. I've shared with you before, when we come into union with the Lord Jesus, our spirit man is born again. The kingdom of God comes to dwell in our spirit, and from that day on, our spirit is complete. It's whole. We are the very righteousness of Christ. It sure doesn't matter if you can see it in the mirror. It doesn't matter if your neighbor can pick it up or not. Or you feel it. You probably don't feel it. But the fact is, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Do we have the Passion Translation here for 2 Corinthians 5.21? God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. It was a holy exchange that happens, friends. So he who did not know righteousness, that he might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Hebrews 10.14 says, By his one perfect sacrifice... He made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Praise be to God. We've been made in the likeness of God. We are called to be like God. Imitate God, says Ephesians 5.1. I think the Passion says it like this. Be imitators of God in everything you do. Well, we want our actions definitely to represent God, but we want our words to represent God. I find so many Christians like, well, God's really not paying attention to every word I speak. Well, (laughs) I beg to differ with you. (laughs) He is once in a while a little bit merciful, but 
The truth is we have a whole lot of what we say. Hebrews 11:3 through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So this word worlds is also very interesting. Um, let's, we do have that up there. There we go. That the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now this root word refers to the structure and the administration of one's life. How things go with us from day to day, including how they affect our hope, how they affect our aspirations, our dreams. And may I say, God wants us to get our hopes up. He really does. Every one of us, we already talked about this, is made in the image of God. And like God, we can frame our world. We can, with our words, frame the circumstances of our lives to conform to that image we have in our spirit. Well, the truth is we frame our world with our words, period. I mean, the smart thing would be to cooperate with God in the whole business <laughs> instead of speaking out the curses of the enemy. Yeah. Have you noticed the culture of death in our society? We had a party at our house a couple of years ago, um, a block party, and this neighbor brought over a chocolate dessert. And I never forget, she, I said, well, what's it called? And she said, I don't know. She says, it's just to die for. And I thought, oh, <laughs> Okay, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's crossed your mind, uh, my back is killing me, or my legs are killing me, or, I mean, that was the perfect, not the perfect, it was one of the most often used phrases just a couple of years ago, you're killing me, you're killing me, what? Oh, that's okay, I must have not seen it, <laughs> or over my dead body, <laughs> I mean, there's all these little slangs, these phrases that we pick up that are part of this culture of death. But uh, we don't want to be slipping into that, friends. We are human beings. We are made in the image of God. We've been given creative power, divine ability, every one of us, to create, to frame up our own world. The book of James, chapter 3, compares this power that we have with our words to directing a 200,000-ton ship. That's how big, like, the Titanic. We're talking about big. Verse 3 talked about the bridle in the horse's mouth. You can direct the horse. Well, here, the Bible says the same is true with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of of the person at the helm. Now, you need to see this because it's one thing to consider, okay, I'll agree with you that my words determine the direction of my life. My words frame, they're building blocks of my life. They mend, they restore, they repair. But what about when the big storm comes? What about the massive, fierce winds that blow? And want to push me here and push me there. And Does it still work? Well, according to this verse, it says the same with mighty ships. Though they be massive and driven by fierce winds, still they are steered by this tiny rudder. Now, you might be saying, yeah, I, you know, I do have this major thing going on in my life. I'm not sure if I can really steer this thing. 
I want to say, I want to tell you. I am. I am. I believe very strongly when we put God's word in our mouth by speaking it and say, yes, we're going to come to that a little later because most of us, instead of Jesus said, speak to the mountain. But most of us are just telling the mountain, you're terrible, you're big, you're giant, you're too big, instead of move out of the way. I've got a big God. And he's working on my behalf. Thank you, Steve. And even if you're going through something terrible, which most of us are going through something, let's face it. God cares. God does care. But it doesn't matter the fierceness of the winds. It doesn't matter the intensity of the storm. It doesn't matter the impossibility you are facing. Your words, specifically God's words in your mouth, will turn things around. And again, it's the person at the helm. We can take all kinds of victim mindsets, and we've talked about that. You don't know my mother. You don't know my husband. My child. I mean, you can have a thousand of them. I'm a victim of da-da-da-da-da-da. And blame all these people, and you can absolve yourself of a whole bunch of responsibility for a while. But at some point, it still comes back to us. We are the ones who direct the path of our own lives by our words. You might think I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I could preach another 12 sermons on this subject. It's so vast. God has a whole lot to say about words. He himself did nothing without first speaking it into being. He consistently and constantly, Romans 4:17, calls things that be not as though they were. And we need to learn to be like God. That's why that verse, be an imitator of God. I want you to hear that tonight. He wants you to, wow, what? I've got divine ability. I've got creative ability. I can put God's words in my mouth and make things happen in my life. Yes, you can. Now, I realize again that many of us have been trained to think otherwise, that we're pawns in this game of life, that fate decides everything. Whatever will be, will be. Or worse yet, that we have this loving, good father who decides to send a fire or a hurricane or a a murder or a rape. No, 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 no. You got the wrong source there. Every trace of evil comes from one and only source, and that's Satan. He's the thief out to steal, kill, and destroy. We are not pawns in the game of life, friends. Fate does not dictate our lives. There is a spiritual law in effect That's just as powerful as the law of gravity. And you can decide, you know, I don't believe in this law of gravity. Well, try flying off of the top of a 10-story building and you might discover it's still in effect. (laughs) Same thing is true with our words. So here's a couple of examples. Let's look at uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 28. This is right after the 10 spies have returned. Well, 12 went out. Two had a good report. Ten had a negative report. We can't do this. We can't do this. It's impossible. And mind you, God had already told them it's, it's, it's yours. It's yours for the taking. Anyway, he doled out the punishment one year in the wilderness for every day while they were, 
What's the right word? Scouting. Thank you. And uh, so this is what God said. As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. NIRV says you can be sure that I live. And uh, yours says it a little different again. You can be sure that I live and you can be just as sure that I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Wow, wow, wow. And of course, then we have Jesus' words, Matthew, excuse me, Mark eleven twenty three. Now, please notice this does not say Hagen eleven twenty three. This does not say Copeland eleven twenty three. This is from the Bible, Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and be cast into the sea," does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It's very important what we believe. But believing here is one time and says is in here three times. I mean, there's a say up there. You have to ignore that one because that's just talking about Jesus' words. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart. That is a big deal, mixing faith with it. But believes that those things he says will be done. He will ever have whatever he says. And then there's the great salvation verse, friends. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. The New King James puts it like this. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The greatest miracle of our life. This is how it happened. We believed in our heart and we confessed with our mouth. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with our mouth we make agreement. We agree with God, we speak it out, and when it's mixed with faith, the mountain moves into the sea. Hallelujah. That's why we're relentlessly renewing our minds, friends, with the word of God. We're planting truth in the inward parts. Why? We're learning how to use our words. The Bible says, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, like we decide, which one do you love? Which one do you want to see more of? You're going to eat the fruit thereof. Think about that. We choose. Will it be joy or misery? Will it be death or life? First Peter 3.10, the King James says, He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. King James says guile. New Living Testament says lies. This is actually a quote of Peter's from Psalm 34. I'd like to go to Psalm 34 because there's a little extra thing in there. All right, so the question is, what man is there that desires life? Anybody want life? Next question. Anybody love many days? Would you like to live a long life? A few of you. 
Anybody want to see good while you're living that long life? <laughs> Hallelujah. And here's the, the answer. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile or lies. Again, those lies of the enemy, you don't want them even coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Now, this business of keeping your tongue from evil. When I was a kid, it seemed like the major emphasis was don't swear, don't tell dirty stories, no vulgar speech. That's what evil was all about. But maybe we should look and see what God calls evil. Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. We've been in this same area already tonight. When the ten spies returned with their negative report, their unbelieving report, God calls it an evil report. This is the Holy Spirit saying they brought up an evil report report of the land. And like I said, this is the land God already gave to them. Friends, how is it any different from this land of promise right here? He says, this is all yours. It's all yours. Come and get it. Yeah, you might have a few giants in the land, a few walled cities to take down, but it's yours, says the Lord. It's Yours. And just us saying, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm too shy. I don't have the strength. It it can't be me. It's got to be somebody else. We got to be careful, friends, that we aren't speaking evil. And it's kind of cute, this verse about um, the negative report. Different translations. I don't think I bogged you down with all that, did I? Um, GNT calls it a false report. The, uh, what's that called? It's the Jewish Bible, I think, calls it a negative report. One calls it a rumor. One calls it spreading lies. One called it scary rumors. Hmm, sounds like stuff we've been hearing about, huh? What do you think? I hope we all know by now who is the author of the false of the fearful, of the negative. If we want to experience life and see good days, we need to keep our tongue from evil. And I'm talking about God's kind of evil. What if we could be like Caleb and Joshua? What if we could break out of the pack, friends, and be men and women of faith? Can we speak words of faith? Can we really believe our God? Can we start calling forth kingdom realities in the midst of the chaos going on around us? We choose our own fruit. Proverbs 18, 21, you shall eat the fruit thereof. We choose the framework of our life. How do we do it? We do it with our words. The most powerful tool we have as human beings is the words that come out of our mouth. They will set us free or they will ensnare us. At any given moment, friends, we are either giving agreement to the enemy of our souls or we are calling forth the kingdom of God with its righteousness, its peace, and its joy. We are either preaching good news or we're not. 
We have been gifted. I mean, this is divine ability, friends. Even if you can't sing, you can't play the piano, you can't preach, you can't hammer a nail, I don't know. You still have divine ability in here, this mouth of yours, to speak the word of God. Our words are containers that carry faith, they carry fear, one of the two. And they will always produce after their own kind. They will always produce a harvest. Words are seeds. And if we're smart, we're going to learn real quick to use God's words. Words that are full of life and words that are full of light. Every single word of God's is guaranteed to never return void. This is amazing promise. Can we look at Isaiah 55, 11? So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. So all we have to do is put it in our mouth then, right? It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. Luke one thirty seven. This was our last verse, I think, for tonight. This is a wonderful verse that we've been quoting for years. Nothing is impossible with God. Oh, it's such a beautiful verse. But it's even deeper and better in the Greek, friends. What it really says is no word from God will ever be void of power. No word of God is void of power ever, ever, ever. The only time the word of God is powerless is when it's unspoken. So for your Bible to lay on your coffee table, yeah, it looks good there. But the power is when it's in our mouth, friends. And especially when it's mixed with faith. And does it take a whole bunch of faith? Mustard size. That's all it takes. Hallelujah. God says we can have what we say. And yet most of us are saying what we have. And wondering why things are not improving. Ready for a few declarations? All right, here we go. I'm changing my words. From this day forward, my words will be full of love and full of faith. I shall partner with God in bringing his best to come to pass in my life. I'm breaking out of the pack. No more fear. No more unbelief. No more negative reports. I choose to believe God. I refuse to give agreement ever again to the enemy of my soul. I declare and decree that God is for me. Do you believe that, girls? Huh? 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 Say it to me. God is for me. Woo! Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is within me. The peace of God rules my heart and rules my mind in Christ Jesus. I'm surrounded by favor Crowned with loving kindness, 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, strengthened with might by His Spirit. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My words agree with God's. Mine is a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Well, let's practice a little of that. Father, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you that you are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are our God. You are our strong deliverer. Hallelujah. Mighty, mighty, mighty are you in our midst, in our lives, Lord. Thank you that your word is so powerful. Thank you that you, for this spirit of illumination, for this spirit, you're going to accompany us. I mean, you're going to rise up within us all week now and remind us, are you speaking faith? Are you imitating God? Hallelujah. Are you speaking life? Are you releasing grace? Are you releasing peace? And I thank you, Lord, this mighty people in this house are doing mighty things with your mighty word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Blessings on you. If anybody wants any kind of prayer, I'll be glad to agree with you. Otherwise, have a powerful week framing your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.